This is Annabelle Caberti and you are listening to Lawfully Creative, my podcast to talk with professionals in the creative industries, to hear their stories, what inspires their creation, what decisions change their careers, what relationships influence their work. Today's episode is brought to you by Crefovi, our London and Paris-based law firm focused on advising the creative industries. Subscribe to our podcast Lawfully Creative or catch up with our original shows on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, YouTube, Anchor and many more podcast aggregators and platforms. Please do leave a review and rating about our podcast to encourage others to discover our curated content. Thank you. So I'm in Brighton um, and I'm sitting next to Stella Bagot, who is the founder and managing director of Atelier Stella Ceramics, um, based and located in Brighton as well. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. It's a lovely uh, 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 Saturday afternoon in May in Brighton and people are very chillaxed and uh, hippie looking in the streets <laughs> and uh, everybody seems to have a good time in Brighton. So. Hello Stella. Hello. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to our... Yeah, so I'm Stella. I um, make ceramics. Nearly all of my ceramics have faces, so they're quite easy to tell what they are. Um, I've been making ceramics as Atelier Stella for seven years now, mm-hmm. um, although I was doing ceramics sort of as a part-time hobby before. Um, whilst I used to be a children's book illustrator, but now I'm pretty much full-time ceramics. Yeah. So you've, you you started your business in 2012. Yeah, I think it was then. I um, Sorry to see, I also founded my law firm in 2012. After 13 years as a as a senior associate in some of the largest law firms in London. It must be a good time to have a career change. <laughs> exactly. I think yeah. a lot of things started. But, uh, my clients, a lot of them actually started their business in around 2012. Oh, really? yes, 2012. The moons must be aligned. <laughs> Interesting. <Yeah. laughs> well, I was doing I was doing um, and I yeah, was doing pottery as a night class and I really enjoyed it and then a friend was doing a craft fair um, oh gosh what was it called a renegade craft fair at Brick Lane in London right and she, it was quite expensive so she said do you want to share a table uh-huh. and make some more ceramics so I thought well, I may as well give it a go a bit of extra money made a, an extra batch was hoping I would sell a few and it went really well. I think I was the only ceramicist there right. and sold loads, had loads of people taking photographs and then from that... 2012? Yeah, I think it's 2012. Were you already making the lovely... Uh, no, I hadn't. I wasn't original. selling them. Yeah, I, I was... Yeah, with, pots with faces on, sort of smaller ones and um, some bigger ones. Okay. And, um, but I wasn't selling them. Okay. I didn't have a shop. And then... After that, someone who took a photograph and uh, she wrote about a blog post on it and then it got picked up by other blogs and then Design Sponge um, did a post about me and then it just went crazy so I had to open the shop. Yeah. Awesome. Was it in 2011? I think it was 2012. Not very good with dates. But I think I was... It just happened that ceramics was really getting popular then. Everyone, you know, it's massive now. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Um, and also plants were becoming to get 
become a thing. I mean, in 2012, it was really hard to buy a plant unless you went to a garden centre. And now there's plant shops everywhere. Every shop has plants. Because I live in west, uh, northwest London, mm -hmm. and we've always been quite, um, quite, uh, uh, you know, lucky and having a home yeah. not too far. Yeah. With some yeah. gift and nurseries in uh, in Maidervale, but perhaps yeah, when you are in East London, yeah, probably it's more difficult to find a florist and or also, a good garden centre. Yeah, center. some garden centres wouldn't have that many house plants. They would have a lot of garden plants, and um, not necessarily many house plants. Where now, okay. house plants are just everywhere. You can get them anywhere. So I think that was. The, f the craft fairs I used to do, I used to sell the, the plants in the pots and you bought okay. the whole thing. So I think it was a really nice thing to buy and there just wasn't anyone doing anything like that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so would you mind just talking us through your trajectory as I understand that, uh, and as you just mentioned, you wrote uh, Kitty's books uh, yeah. and uh, illustrated Kitty's book before working on your ceramics business full time. So who, yeah. who were you um, working for in the uh, publishing industry? Yeah, so I um, did a degree in graphic design at Derby University and then quite soon after, um, through a friend, I got a contact of um, the art director at Usborne Publishing, which is based in Clerkenwell in London, okay. and started doing a little bit of freelance work for them whilst I was working as a graphic designer in Derby. Then um, they asked if I wanted to do more work for them and potentially move to London to work full time, okay. which I had, at the time I had no intention of moving to London. It was a bit scary, but <laughs> I kind of went for it and uh, went down and met them and then ended up working full time for Usborne Publishing in-house for 14 years. But you, um, were you still actually a consultant or were you on the, uh, on the payroll? On the payroll. Okay. Um, and I started off. Um, doing a lot of in-house illustrations okay. and then um, ended up sort of managing other people as well as illustrating in-house so I ended up working on two separate series of books um, okay. which were really good and I really enjoyed that job which was why I think it was hard to, to, to leave that completely in order to pursue this ceramics full time. Or, or who you just mentioned before the podcast um, started that you still do three or four books for, yeah, for it's hard young to, children. Yeah. Um, is that still for the same uh, publishing house? Yes, yeah. I've always worked for Usborne. I did okay. a couple of things for Korean publishers and various other publishers, but mainly for Usborne because I love them so much and, uh, you know, they gave me my start and they're a great company. So, yeah, I do about four or five baby books a year and I think if you look at my baby books, you can see the faces, like all the flowers have faces, the sun has a face, okay. all the animals have faces. So I think you can see a slight link to my ceramics and I think that's how I feel and I think a lot of people say to me that because I'm not a classically trained ceramicist, my ceramics are almost like I'm illustrating in the clay. Yeah. Because I'm coming at it from an illustration point of view rather than coming at it as a kind of trained ceramicist. So I think I think a lot of people are doing that now. I think a lot of illustrators are moving into clay and make you know really? but yeah, I think a lot now, but again I think in through two thousand and twelve I you know, there wasn't that many people doing it. So um yeah. I think I just lucked out and got in there first. Beginner's luck, you know, yeah. when you went to that that's trade yeah. market and yeah. uh, everything went uh, like yeah. like uh, hotcakes. Yeah. Beginner's luck, fantastic. Yeah. Um when you design or when you designed uh, those uh, those kiddies books, 
uh, were you doing that on the software on the, on, or were you doing this by hand? Um, a variety really. Okay. Um, when I first started working there we used to work on a lot of make and do books, so a lot of crafts and activities. So we um. would, um, you know, anything from collage to paper, um, you know, painting, thumb printing, making masks, it could be anything. And we would make the products and, and photograph them for make and do books and then um, a lot of the baby books that I work on now are all done in il the Illustrator program, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator. on the computer. Yeah. yeah, it's funny what you said about a lot of um, uh, uh, people like yourself who are uh, uh, trained as as designers, mm -hmm. and then they evolve from um, the more uh, intangible world, like working on Adobe Illustrator, yeah. or uh, and then on to actually doing yeah. manual things with their hands. Yeah. My designer, who actually designed the logo of um, of uh, uh, my law firm Krefovi and the whole stationery of Krefovi, mm -hmm. so the whole corporate identity yeah. of Krefovi, five or six years after, and it was really uh, you know well known in the in the field because I actually um, uh, found his details on a book which I bought at Monocle um, boutique oh, yeah, yeah. about all corporate identity, yeah. and I saw that book very often also at the Palais de Tokyo. Uh, um, uh, bookshop and so he was very well known in his trade and he was also a, a teaching uh, in Berlin at a Berlin uh, a designer course there in university and he just decided to actually completely stop his business and instead renovate houses. Oh, wow. like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? So um, so yeah perhaps and he said I'm tired of working yeah. on screens all the time I want to be able yeah. to do things with my hand I was like this, <laughs> this is crazy but yeah. Oh, good luck. Yeah, yeah. And then I found another designer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you also went through the same phase and decided yeah. also after 14 years, if I remember well, in yeah. the illustration industry yeah. to also use your hands more. Because hey, ceramics is, at the end of it, it's quite a dirty job, yeah. right? You really have to yeah, dirty yeah, your yeah. hands. Yeah. <laughs> Although the result is outstanding. But when I did the podcast with Claude Aiello, you know, and also I visited his atelier's workshop in Paris yeah. very often because I'm one, one of his clients, yeah. I buy quite a lot of yeah. ceramics from him. And yeah, as you know, it's, it's, it's quite a dirty business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think also as well, when you... Illustration was amazing, but when you work for a publishing company that has to sell you know, to, to various companies that you you can be restricted. So you might come up with a design, but then you have to change it to make okay. it sellable. Right. Um, whereas when you have your own business, like with making ceramics, I can do exactly what I want and yes. I don't have anyone else telling me that, you know, you need to make that green or you need to, you know, make the, the eyes look a bit funny. Mm. So I think for me, it was having complete control was a really good thing. And and, you know, people will email me now and say, oh, I've just seen a pot that you, that's on Pinterest that you made like three years ago. Can you make one of those? And, you know, I'll be like, no, I don't want to make that anymore. You know, I, I want see. to make these, you know, so I can keep changing it very quickly. And if I'm bored with something, then yeah. I just won't do that anymore. Fair enough. Good. And it's, it's, I think the fact that you're doing limited series yeah. means that you're I keep myself interested as that, well, but yeah. also for your legacy, you know, yeah. because probably your items will become collectible. Yeah, I think, you yeah, know, in, you know, in the next few years. So if you make limited series and also yeah. you refuse to make copies of stuff yeah, that um, exactly. clients ask, then it means that it's more rare. Yeah, and therefore in due course it will become more sought after. I'm yeah. sure we've got some collectors out there. Yeah, already have three. I know, actually, many more, many more because I bought two at 2021, and then. No, I probably have like five or six already at home. Really? Yeah. Well, there's one guy, Justin, who I think has about 
30 to 40 pieces. I can't even That's remember. Right, yeah. I've where, got, is where is he based? He's in the UK, yeah. But like yeah. in London? I think he's just outside in the home counties. Do you know what's interesting? Because whenever I look at your uh, at your little planters and pots and stuff, it just makes me happy inside. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people say that. It just makes them smile. Exactly. You know, and they make me smile after seven years of making them. Right. They still make me smile. And yeah. I still make one and I'm like, oh my God, I really like that one. I have to keep that one. Or... <laughs> Good, if you could do something, because you're on that. I know. <laughs> and... and um, yeah, so I, I read an article on the tele on the telegraph on the telegraph. No, I'm joking. On the <laughs> telegraph, um, where you explain how basically the fact that you had this dual um, activity and yeah. hence dual income yeah, yeah. for from yeah. what, what from 2012 to probably 2014 or yeah, I think it was 2014. Yeah, I left yeah. Osborne. Yeah, yeah. That allowed you to actually climb on the property ladder. Yeah, well. yeah. How did this come about? This article were you were you mate with the the, the te te telegraph? A journalist? Um, how did you it was, reach out? Or how did you meet her? I think it was that my friend's husband works in PR and they uh, needed someone um, to, to write a piece about that kind of lifestyle, about people who had done a hobby in order to kind of like get extra money. Right. And he thought of me and suggested me and then they contacted me about it. Um, because yeah, those two years were good because I managed to save a lot of money in those two years. But fantastic. I don't think I went out or barely. I would literally make all my stuff at home and like buy it all. Like every night, I would come home from Usborne and work on the pots every weekend. It was quite intense. I think it wasn't until it finished that you realised that having a studio in your own home can really restrict your kind of life. Um, so now here, once I moved to Brighton... Um, so what property did I move, by the way? Why, why did you decide to come here as opposed to... I tried to buy a property in London, about in Walthamstow. Um, right. I tried to buy one, um, I think, twice, and it fell through, and so it just became... It was when Walthamstow prices suddenly went through the roof. Uh, where is Walthamstow? North London. North London. Okay. Uh, well, E17, so it's northeast. Okay. Um, Frankly, yeah, I think you are perhaps better off here because yeah, yeah. not too far from the town centre. Yeah. And E17 is quite far from. Yeah, the it's on the it's sort of towards the near Tottenham, so it's at the yeah, sort of on the yeah. um, blue line. I can't remember which one. <laughs> but, um, think, uh, isn't it? It's yeah. on the Victoria line. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it just got to a point where I'd gone from looking at a two-bedroom garden flat to being able to afford a one-bedroom flat with no garden because the price okay. is just... They were going up £1,000 a week. It was getting, you know, ridiculous. That was in around 2014. I think it was, yeah, about then. Um, so then I had friends in Brighton and they said, well, why don't you come down here and just have a look? So yeah. I booked a couple of viewings at flats and saw one I really liked and ah. just put an offer in. Thought, it's funny how things in your life yeah. happen like this by, by chance. If I get if I have time to think about it, I overthink it and will rule it out. So for me, <laughs> I need things to happen just where I it, the choice gets taken away from me. So I put this offer in on this flat, thinking I think I put in asking price, but because the, you know in London I put offers on way over asking price and haven't got really. Them. Yeah, and it, oh, it, it it fell through. All, uh, yeah, twice. Well, you got guesses. Yeah, 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 twice. So I put an offer in this flat and asking price, thinking oh there's no way I'm going to get that. And then they rang me on the Monday. I think they asked for more money, and I said I hadn't got any. Yeah. And then on the Monday they said. Um, 
uh, yeah, you, you've got the flat, so... Yeah, probably um, the demand here is a bit less than the yeah. more offer than demand. Yeah, and that's, I think so I was a first-time buyer, so I think I was in a good position. Yeah, yeah. So, right, no change, you mean. Yeah, yeah. so I think um, because it happened so quickly... Um, I was just like, I think I rang my mum on the Monday and was like, looks like I'm moving to Brighton. <laughs> At this point in time, so that was in 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, I think and, so, yeah. And, and have you, had, had you already handed over your resignation to... No, so to I had very, I had intentions to commute, so I'd... Oh my gosh, yeah. commuting from Brighton yeah. to London every day? Yeah, so I tried it for, I think I did it for two months... <gasps> every day then I spoke to my art director and went down to three days a week and worked from home must have been exhausting though one yeah it's just if the trains work if they're on time then it's fine um you're much better off from now right yeah I think to walk to your yeah yeah it's so much nicer now yeah Yeah, so I think it got I think that happened in June or July and I think by Christmas I'd handed in my resignation and realised that... Christmas, um, December 2014? Yeah, I think it was. I'm terrible okay. at remembering dates. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think I lasted about sort of five or six months and then just yeah, realised yeah, it wasn't right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then I think I left in, actually left in the May um, the following year. Okay, well, um, you could quite some time yeah, to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's like 14 years. Yeah, but I think I, I can't remember that. But I think I went down to like two days a week yeah. and was just not doing it. But you were actually working from home. Oh no, right, two days a week where you would dedicate yourself to yeah. the uh, illustration. Yeah. Business. Yeah. So I just because I mean you know I just sit on my own illustrating, so a lot yeah. of the time it wasn't you know I could do that from home. Right. Fair enough. Um, yes. But they would like me in the office because I was also like managing other people's work. Saying, yeah. um, and the yeah. other three days a week you were working on your ceramics on your pots. Um. Yeah, yes, I think so, because then I found a small studio, a shared studio in Brighton, so I was working from there, and I did that for about a year, and then I got my studio about two okay. or three years ago. Well, let's, if you, if you wouldn't mind, let, let's talk about that, because um, yeah. I saw a few pictures, um, uh, yeah, just for, 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 for you guys uh, uh, who are listening to the podcast, I attempted to visit <laughs> Stella <laughs> at her um a studio around two months ago because I woke up on a Saturday morning and I thought, oh, it would be so nice to actually meet the lady who makes all these beautiful pots. <laughs> and um, I think because I'm registered on your newsletter, I must have received, you know, my subconscious must have worked during the night and I, I probably had received a, a newsletter from Stella uh, with new wares, her new uh, latest um, uh, batch of fantastic pots. And then I was like, oh, yeah. The weather is starting to be nice. Let's let's go. But then I went to I attended my yoga class and then I arrived too late because Stella had to <laughs> yeah, go to a birthday yeah. party. So I haven't mi- met visited the uh, studio of Stella, no. but I saw some pictures on your website and on yeah. uh, blog and articles. It seems to be very spacious. You seem to have a particular oven and. Um, I wouldn't call it spacious, it feels quite yeah. cramped. <laughs> I think what the photographs, I just choose what to take. <laughs> what is it like cramped? Is it because you've got a lot of stock? Yeah, I think it's quite a slim studio, so it's probably not dissimilar to the room right now. But um, you think that's not quite large? Um, it's probably it's probably a bit slimmer, okay. maybe not as long, probably oh, half. Okay. Okay. And then I have that space where I make all my work, right. and then I have a separate studio above it which might look Very more spacious, good. and that's where I do all my packaging, all my emails, okay. have all the finished stock. Um, so I, I used to do everything from the kind of smaller studio and it was just getting so that, you know, when you just, your headspace is just so 
crowded that you're having to put away one thing to do another. So I'd have to finish working to then package work. So you decided to hire to work Yeah, so I took the one upstairs. And in a way, yeah. that's quite good because that's my kind of clean space. So I just package really. and I can kind you of relax and do all my admin and yeah. stuff like that. You don't, you don't, you don't work. You don't live in those premises, right? You, no. you have to have your flat. Yeah, there, okay. I, yeah. No. Well, that's now cool. I've got a house. Um, Fantastic. with my partner well in um, Five Ways, which is a kind of like nice area. So you sold the flats that actually yeah. made you move yeah. here. Yeah. So I was actually about to ask, so, uh, okay, so you moved to Brighton because uh, you had this fantastic real yeah. estate opportunity, but now you've actually really established your life here with, with your partner. And, uh, yeah, at the time yeah. I was single, which I think made the move easy because yeah. it was just me to think about. I had yeah. friends here, good friends, so I decided to make the move. Um, and then since moving here, a lot more of my friends have moved down, and then I met my partner, Pat, and he um, he was from a similar kind of... He had a life in London where he worked for an accountancy firm and then moved to okay. uh, Brighton and became a carpenter. So we both kind of just completely... Yeah, so, so see the paths where you actually yeah, sort of kind yeah. of incorporate wealth to go back yeah. to more crafty. Yeah, exactly. And he had a flat too, so we both sold our flats and we bought a house together now. And so is he also um, a self... Because you're not a sole trader, you're actually a company owner, you're having a business. I was reading in that article from The Telegraph that you decided to actually set up a a proper limited company, uh, a private company limited by shares after one or two years because you... Uh, you understood that this would be a good way to channel your revenues and yeah. pay less less tax, uh, yeah. company tax. At yeah. a, I think the rate is 19% of the yeah. revenue, so of course compared to yeah. income tax between 20 to 40. Yeah, sense, yeah. yeah because I think uh, as well, because I, I have a lot of sales um, and I also pay for like a lot of postage and things like that. But, that. Yeah, but yeah. then also what I'm purchasing, I don't make as many purchases, so it ends up like... It doesn't have um, the raw material? Yeah, yeah. Why I, don't you need any more um, raw material? You've got a stock? Yeah, and I think that, you know, clay goes quite a long way, and I guess, okay. like, you know, so... Um, Do you know, it's interesting, because uh, Claude Yellow, whom I interviewed last uh, December in his uh, workshop in, in Valoris, he told me that actually the material was sometimes quite expensive, so whenever he was doing... Some commissions, commission, yeah. uh, uh, you know, work for yeah. uh, for um, these French designers. You would yeah. include this also in yeah. quotes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so glazes um, can be very expensive. Yeah. Terracotta. Yeah. I think it works mostly with terracotta. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. And also, he told me that he actually um, uh, dislocated his back because wow. he was working in such a big piece for Mathieu Luaner. I don't know if you know Mathieu Luaner is really quite prominent mm-hmm. <coughs> a French designer. And um, so uh, for uh, Issey Miyaki, the uh, fashion house. Yeah. He was making some um, um, some buff rate, um, uh, basically some some um, sculptures showing the buff rate statistics of oh, okay. various countries: Japan, France, the US, Mexico. Yeah. And um, it 100 kilos the pieces. Wow. So when he actually um, was lifting it to put it in the oven, yeah. Uh, he <laughs> so yes, yeah, it's, it's, so it can be quite a. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I don't wheel throw work because I get a bad back and it's kind of right. like quite 
taxing. I think people don't realise when you will throw. The people think you're just like la la la, you know, make a pot. But it's actually really you have to really use a lot of muscles in your. It's quite hard to do. It does everything with. Well, how do you call it? Wheel throwing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's called, in French, it's called le tour. Uh, le tour. Wheel yeah. throwing. Yeah. Everybody does it, but we've proven. Yeah. I think you do need to be quite strong um, yeah, to do with, that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which is why a lot of men do wheel throwing. Uh -huh. To be honest, I think. Um, so what happens? So you take a a, 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 a bit of 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 of, of clay. Yeah. Uh, and so you want don't worry where we've got terracotta. You just clay your. Um, yeah. So we stoneware. Stoneware. Yeah. Right, which right. is the sort of like um, stone kind of buff coloured, grey coloured clay. Oh, okay. Whereas the terracotta is the red. It's uh, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Probably yeah. coming from southern Europe or something. Yeah. Because most of the clay I use is from the UK. Exactly. Yeah. So, so. so it's like what? It's like a pretty. Um, I suppose it's not rigid, right? It's pretty mellow and <laughs> yeah. So it's like a wet, squashy, exactly. It's wet, squashy. Yeah. Okay. And then you, you just we roll it. So we yeah. have a clay roller, which is like a massive mangle kind of like rolling pin on a. Okay. So because we used to roll everything by hand, but again, that's quite hard work on okay. your back and on your wrist. Why do you say we? Do you have some? Um, yeah. So I have, I have an assistant that comes oh, in and helps me. I was about to ask clay. you whether you had some. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. So it's it's just amazing just to help with all the basics kind of like start of everything Absolutely. so rolling of the clay making the basic shapes and then I stamp and finish all the parts how interesting um, so so when you so you, you roll it how, how thick it usually is the so you roll a, a large sheet which would be um you know like kind of 80 by 40 sheet of clay which would probably be about half a centimeter thick okay um and then we roll those sheets and let them dry a bit and uh -huh. then we have um molds of um tubular molds which we mold ah. mold each Do piece around um they're various cardboard tubes that we've collected okay. or we have made some like um plaster mold pieces to use excellent um so they all get made into sort of basic sizes of, of kind of pot like yeah, to make the shape. Ah. Then uh, it needs to be left and dried for a bit. So then How we need to sponge it, usually hours? overnight, overnight. Um, okay. loosely wrapped. Okay. Then we like sponge it to make it nice and clean and neat. And then it would have like legs added on it or arms added on it or joining pieces together to make, you know, ears. And um, would you do all the little finishing details? Which I yeah, so is, I do. Yeah, I do all that, and I, I do all the faces because it's amazing okay. how um, if someone else does the face and the eyes are just slightly too far apart or slightly higher or the nose, it can completely change the look of them, and yeah. they don't look like mine. So okay. I finish every single one and just check everything that is you know right, make all the stamps. Quality control. Yeah. Oh, yes, then, that's right. There are some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I glaze them all as well myself. Glazing means like putting the varnish? Yeah. So what, what happens is... After, after you put them in the oven or before? Yeah. So we make the piece yeah. with, with the wet clay and then it has to be dried till it's completely bone dry till there's no water in it. So it has to be dried for... It could be a few days, or right. if the kiln is on, it obviously makes things dry a lot quicker. Cause What's the really kiln? Sorry? The kiln is the oven. Oh, okay. So it's like within pottery terms, it's called a kiln. Kiln. And um, how do you spell that? K I L N. K I L N. Yeah. That's sort of oven. 
Is that yeah, so it's just oh, one of those, okay. you know, mass, effectively a massive oven that fires up so to 1200 in the, in the, in degrees. In the world, you don't call it an oven, you call no, it a kiln. No, call it a kiln, yeah. Ah, thank you. Yeah, so they, um, we dry them out completely, then they go in the kiln for its first firing, which is called a bisque firing. Okay. And that gets fired up to 1000 degrees, and all the water evaporates from the clay, and it shrinks a tiny bit. So whatever you make, it won't end up that size. It'll end up smaller. So it shrinks a little bit. And then it comes out like a, um, it's still quite fragile, but at least you can kind of like give it a bit of a knock where when it's dry clay, it's so fragile, you know, you could easily break it. So then at this stage, it's called bisque, bisqueware. And um, it's kind of like a, goes like a buffy colour. And then at that point is when you glaze it. So if I want to do the spots or the rainbows, yeah. I apply um, like a wax um, to the spots wow. or the oh, rainbow shapes right. and the noses. And then it gets hand glazed with brushing on glaze. And anywhere the wax is, the glaze won't touch. Okay. So it ends up with like holes in the glaze. And the wax probably uh, will... That melts on the second firing. Yeah, so then it gets fired again to 1200 degrees. And you you were saying you do that glazing yourself? Yes, I do all the glazing myself. And then sometimes if it has gold on... That's the third firing, so then after it comes out with oh, yeah, a shiny glaze, yeah, gold, that's so nice. Oh, and the gold, firing. yeah, so that's the third firing. So these pieces must be more expensive, yeah. right? Yeah, and the gold luster that gets painted on it is really expensive. It's like £30 for a tiny little vial pot of about five milligrams or something like that. It's is really, it the colour gold? or It's got real gold in, in it. Is it? Yeah. Precious. I've got a yeah. very precious... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that's the one I bought at the Unlimited shop in yeah. Brighton when I, in March, yeah, but yeah, when yeah, I yeah. couldn't see your studio, but you uh, addressed me to your friend yeah. and, uh, and and dealer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, right, interesting. Yeah, so it's quite a long process. You can't... You don't really it's make, very beautiful. But. Yeah, you don't make one pot at a time. That's why you do batches, because yeah, everything needs to be dried slowly and then you know glazed in different stages so that's why people call it batch ceramics when you're okay. making things in batches well I mean sure you can't do I mean perhaps if you were commissioned you would make a one piece yeah otherwise yeah it's just, know, it's just time wise it's just it easier to, to make one batch produced obviously but at least you know with like limited series of yeah or often even if you're doing a one-off you do it whilst you're doing another one-off uh, or you know you're doing three or four at a time even though when they're created they're actually all different. So, thank you so much for explaining. But would you say that this stone, you said it was called stoneware, yes? Yeah. So, would you say, for example, that the very established players in the industry, such as Wedgwood, um, or even France, la, 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 la Cité de la Céramique, you know, the, of Sèvres, yeah. uh, do they also use stoneware? Is it the same process? I think a lot of those use porcelain. A porcelain, yeah. Okay. Which also is Wedgwood? a higher firing. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. And it's so. So it's terracotta, stoneware, and also porcelain. Okay. Yeah, um, they're the main three. Okay. Um, that that you use. You can also get like a paper clay, which is very light, and then you can get white. So there's basically earthenware clay, which terracotta falls under, mm-hmm. and that's quite porous. But you can get a white earthenware, so it doesn't have to be terracotta. So that's earthenware. Then you get stoneware which is often grey. So is that made out of uh, stone which is being grinded and then the, the, it's, it's just... No, uh, it's still clay that's found. Okay. I don't know why it's called stoneware or... Right. 
uh, it's just clay, but yeah, they, it's they act differently. Yeah, it's collected from the from the earth. Yes, yeah, and then it's processed you know where? In some way. In the UK. So I was buying a clay called Staffordshire. Um, clay, so that must have been for Staffordshire, and okay. now I'm using a clay which is called Wessex Mix, and Wessex um, is above London. I see. I'm not very good at my geography, but right. somewhere I think it's above London, sort of Norfolk area, I think. So basically, what prompted your choice to actually go for st for Stoneware is because it was uh, freely like easily available in the um, country. So they 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 act differently. So okay. earthenware is more porous. Which is like with terracotta and earthenware, which is why you often see it in as garden pots. Ah. Um, it's more breathable, and it, okay. and, and you often often um, fire earthenware and terracotta to a lower temperature, which means you use different glazes on it because glazes react differently at different temperatures. So if you're firing to, you know, twelve hundred you can use different glazes that are very brightly coloured. So often terracotta will have quite brightly coloured glazes, but the higher you fire, the colour disappears from the glazes sometimes. Okay. And they kind of get sort of... I like them more. It's kind of a bit more... What, the in, terracotta? The, the glazes on the stoneware. Right. Um, but often the colours aren't quite as bright. I mean, glazing with itself is, is an art form. You know, people spend years uh, learning what glaze recipes. Um, and even when you have a glaze recipe, like the new blue glaze I've been using, depending where it is in the kiln and how much other things are in the kiln will determine whether it gets matter or shinier, even though they're all the same, they can come out completely different. Just because of the temperature in the kiln yeah. that they've been exposed to. Yeah, because if there's more things in the kiln, the, the, the temperature will stay hotter, where if there's less in the kiln, it will cool it quicker and will the glaze will react differently. So it's a whole minefield of like you think you've got the perfect glaze and then right. the next time you do it it's different. <laughs> yeah. Well it's not the only parameter. There is also yeah. the temperature in the kiln, the can yeah. be used, the, the glaze. And so all this process uh, sorry, all, all this know how uh, in relation to the proper ceramic trays. Did you learn this when you were doing that um, that that course in London? Uh, yeah, uh, I learned quite a lot there. But I think when it wasn't until I got my own kiln, when you can really okay. experiment yourself okay, on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. doing, doing it. Yeah, I right. think that's the thing. You just need to experiment. You need to try things out and make mistakes and learn from your mistakes because you know you can read a book, but a bit like I said, with the variants that are there you just need to try it and I think like you know, reading a book and experimenting yeah well. and every yeah, kiln is different uh, yeah. as well you can't uh -huh. just you know how much does one one kiln, kiln can cost I mean they cost about starting around two and a half thousand up to about four thousand depending on the kind of size yeah. well this is something you can amortise through your accounting, yeah so but uh, okay it's quite an yeah. investment though yeah. Yeah. Worth worth investment for sure. Yeah. Just for some of our listeners who might be interested, um, if you if you would recommend it, do you mind just kindly telling the name of uh, this 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 uh, place where you learn how to become a ceramist? If oh, you think that. Yeah, I don't think it's open anymore, which okay. is such a shame. But it was Finsbury Park I think College. Right. Um, oh, College is, is near Finsley Park Station and, and okay. they do a lot of courses and they right. had an amazing ceramics department with okay. such great tutors. Is it closed down? I heard it was 
when I left London, I heard that it was being closed down, so oh. I don't know whether it actually did get closed. Okay. But yeah. I really hope it didn't because, I mean, I would highly recommend it. Okay. They do evening classes, um, and then they did, like, a drop-in. So once you'd done a class and you knew what you were doing, yeah. you could just do, like, a drop-in Monday and just use the facilities. Wow. So it was really, really good. Interesting. Um, but I know they do do good co courses at, like, City Lit College oh, yes, in yes, London okay. and, you know, most towns have a have a good yeah sort well, of pottery course you definitely to. made the most of uh, this uh, yeah. sort of adult uh, learning yeah. classes that yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. maximized the whole area. I loved it the people there were great as well okay. you know to bounce ideas off yeah. and that's the trouble now I can be a bit solitary on my own you know working on my own it's nice to well I'm sure your team is going to expand yeah. so you would be able to pass yeah. on the well train. that's why it's nice to do pop-ups as well because you yeah. get feedback from so right. I've just made a, a dish which is like in the shape of a hand okay and I'd made it in my studio and I was just like I like it but I didn't quite know what people would think of it I was like I'm not sure yeah, because it's quite different from what you yeah my work. boyfriend was like oh it's not really like in the keeping of your other work because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a face on it but I, I bought it here yeah and everybody <laughs> has been like it. it's amazing and it's sold <laughs> so that's good sign congratulations good for yeah. you good for you um sorry um oh yes I was wondering so your the output of your work is exquisite for sure uh, you you have a very uh, solid uh, uh, distribution channel through etsy mm -hmm. 254 five stars review on etsy is fantastic one of my other clients as well make um, stuffed toys she's got a big big part of her uh, revenues uh, uh, coming from the yeah. her etsy etsy shop uh, you also have obviously have your own uh, website yeah. um, Stella uh, Atelier Stella Ceramics dot com so which is an e-commerce website which is also really really cutely designed and um, and efficient. Um, I see that you are being being sold also in um, very um, highly regarded design stores such as um, Twenty Twenty One, yeah. which is my favorite uh, yeah. design store in in in, in London. Um, but do you uh, want and do you need to also go to um, uh, professional trade shows such as Maison et Objet and also Top Drawer in London uh, to meet some potential distributors, agents, wholesale clients? Yeah, I have thought about it quite a lot, but I think at the moment... Um, I feel that I wouldn't be able to make enough pots to fulfill a huge amount of orders um, and I don't want to become a factory, I don't no. want to become, I'm churning them out, I like the idea that they're changing, you know, I do a collection then I move on to a new collection mm -hmm. and that there are plenty of one-offs to be had, um, that they're more art pieces, I think... Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's really good to have a few wholesale outlets like 2021. I also showed in um, the V&A Museum last year. Oh, so. On 2021, you need to actually tell them off because there is a website and there is a link to your to potentially your website. Which oh, is actually, there, but the link is dead. Ah, yeah, so you need to tell them off because you need to update that URL link, please. Because yeah. it's not it's not linking to my, oh, uh, right. my, my, my website. So. Yeah, oh, well, I'll <laughs> definitely let them know that. So you've got 2021? Sorry, you mentioned another name. Um, so in the last summer, I did um, a, a three-month stint at the V&A uh, Museum I shop. I saw that. Yeah, and that I wasn't great. a member yet, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, ah, oh, and then whoop, we're all back. Yeah. Did, did it sell that? Yeah, out? it was really good. Yeah, yeah it sold a lot. And I think... You should, um, you should, if I may, 
you should definitely renew that deal with the, the, the VNF as possible because it really stood out. It really yeah. stood out from the other pieces. Well, um, I spoke to them and we're doing, I uh, probably can't talk about it too much, but okay. I'm doing a little collaboration with them which will be at Christmas. Um, so yeah, Good there'll quality. be some pieces that I've made specifically for them oh. uh, with them. So that'll be a really a collaboration, nice collaboration. Yeah, yeah. So that's really good. So yeah, they are outstanding. I'm I like to, to focus on things like that. You know, like one-off pieces, yeah. one-off things with with you know really high-regarded shops, rather than doing trade shows where I feel that I would just yeah, but end then you up. You have to have like a fantastic distribution base all over the world. I mean, people come from I think all over um, the world to um, Maison Objet. Yeah, but I think I would need to find um, a way of producing yeah, them through, you know, like a small factory in yeah. the UK or something like that. It's not something that me and my assistant could do all yeah. on our own and um, you know don't you think that you may perhaps you would be able to actually train some some people to uh, to to work with you i mean if you look for example at um, um contemporary artists such as the jeff coons and yeah and, uh, murakami um, what's his name uh yeah murakami the, the japanese um, artist i mean these guys seldom yeah, <laughs> such, you, yeah, you know, yeah they yeah. don't make their yeah. own Art. Yeah. They have like teams yeah. of, of actually. When I was actually in Chelsea District in in, in New York, I actually <laughs> bumped into some guys who were having a fag at the exit of the factory. I said, "Is that Jeff Koons?" Because I was. Uh, <laughs> or I said, "Murakami is that Murakami workshop?" I said, uh, "Close. It's actually Jeff Koons." I was like baffled. And so yeah, yeah Jeff Koons yeah. has got an army of uh, of um, um, assistants who yeah. are doing any signs off nonetheless, you know. Yeah. And um, actually, I was reading. I was just reading my like 300 emails which are in my inbox <laughs> and I was on the train from uh, Brighton you know so I was trying to uh, uh, to catch up and um, Jeff Koon's uh, rabbit uh, sculpture has mm -hmm. been sold at auction just uh, this week for 90 million dollars so my point <laughs> is it's not because his assistants are making yeah, his yeah, work yeah. but his work is just going yeah. you know um, yeah. down in terms of value uh, in terms of value not yeah. at all so I think that perhaps if you Sorry to say yeah. it bluntly, but if you want to get rich, <laughs> it might be a good approach. I think, if I may, your um, your pieces are adorable, and uh, really, you you really have here a gold mine. Honestly, you you do have a gold mine. But the problem, perhaps, for you to expand is in the distribution network. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And perhaps, um, as well as still becoming the creative director, it would be also a good um, idea to also develop the entrepreneurial and the business. Uh, approach to your to your to your venture yeah. so that you can really you know start to reaping the reaping what you're sowing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I find as a hard balance because I started the company um, to be creative, you know, to be making which, which you are. things, and then I find that more and more I have to yeah. you know do so much more of the just running and the managing, sure. and I think I get to a certain point and then I get a bit stressed out, and then I kind of shut it down a bit again, and I because okay. I just want to kind of do the nice little easy making of nice things bit okay. but so I think I just need to have a really big think of like how big I do want to get mm. or whether I want to keep it as a, a you know more of a one-off pieces do you it's have tricky. an agent someone who represents you no I find that quite hard actually with finding someone that's ceramic based I mean I haven't hugely looked but well, I mean, you know, in his time, um, Picasso did a lot of uh, ceramics where yeah. actually potters were in, based in Valoris, yeah. yes, with, yeah. uh, which, which, which is the capital, the ceramics capital yeah. in France. 
uh, and where uh, Claude Aiello, this uh, potter I was yeah. referring to, is based. So, um, my point is that by making ceramics, you can definitely yeah. make art. Yeah. But I think, and, and of course, uh, where he was helped is that he had a lot of dealers, he had a lot of agents. Yeah. So he didn't really, have, he only had to focus on the creative side. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, well. I mean, I have started saying yes to more galleries and sort of like wholesale. There's, um, uh, there's one in Belgium now. I've just sent some work to a new concept store in Nice. So I'm kind of like, it's called Bow Concept. Book in Nice, yeah. Because I'm actually, I have a flat. I think it's my quite new, so oh. I'm not sure okay. the address. How interesting! So, so they are planting you down there. Yeah, so okay. I think that's good. And she ordered quite a lot of work. So, um, well, next time I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I heard about this place. Yeah, yeah okay, it's quite new. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's it's good to. Like you said, to kind of keep spreading the word and mm. b b being quite picky about where I choose, sure. and I think the trouble with yeah, the trouble sure. with doing a trade show is that I would be you know I don't want to be inundated with orders to places that maybe I don't want my work in. <laughs> no, no, of course, of course, of course. It's a tricky one because you have to try and yeah. you know keep it high end, but then you don't want to be too selective. Yeah, because you want to have a good. I think. Yeah, now what I, mean, I think the expansion could be also to perhaps you know go on up several continents, yeah, because um, you're well represented in the UK, yeah, 2021 and the VNA yeah. exposure as well, which I understand is going to be renewed in, yeah. uh, in December, but uh, perhaps other countries as, uh, yeah. from Europe but also the US uh, could be. Uh, could uh, could uh, benefit from your wonderful pods, yeah. So, so, whole I think this is perhaps. Uh, w way would be useful to, to work on the distribution, uh, yeah. a selective distribution yeah. network that you could put in place because um, your pieces are exquisite. The creati creativity and the beautiful uh, the beauty of such pieces is undisputable. But now it's how can you make it, uh, how can you grow it to scale? Yeah. How can you, you know, yeah. you know, scale it up? Scale, yeah. yeah, but um, I'm sure in due course you'll uh, pass for a business partner or is yeah. it like, as I was saying, a representative, an agent, or, yeah. or someone who joins the business as a with a, a you know a business or yeah. I think focus. that's what I mean sometimes. I think you know it'd be nice that I'm just left to the creativity and that I have someone that is yeah who's yeah. kind of like on the phone and dealing with all the right stuff that I just kind of get stressed out and yeah. then yeah then fair enough bury my head in the sand with aha very good option no. and what is fantastic is today with all the logistics that you have through um, uh, if I may ask which do you use a particular delivery company DHL or um, um, in the UK I tend to use Royal Mail Parcel Force Royal, okay, yeah um, and I also at do least they, these people they don't leave your, uh, your, 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 your package to the neighbour and then yeah. Yeah. Nix it, which happened yeah. to me recently with uh, something uh, really? I on Amazon. Yeah, I was like, never received it. <laughs> no, I always send sign for. Yeah, exactly. like, you know, I always. Try, try, I mean, so you have, then I, you have to go and get it from a post yeah, office, but then yeah, it's safe. You, you know? know where it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, when I started doing it, I was quite worried about adding the amount of postage. Particularly, I get a lot of orders in the US. There you go. Yeah. See, bang. And yeah. you know, sometimes it's twenty pounds postage for a pot that's twenty-eight, <laughs> and it's like, ooh, but, but people will pay it. They will. Yeah. Yeah. Because they know they can't find it anywhere yeah. in a shop in them. Yeah, yeah I think enough. that's the thing, you know. Oh, and don't they order like five or six pieces? So that it makes Some sense. people do, yeah. yeah. But then I've had people before buy, 
you know, pay as much postage for the the, the pieces. But it's interesting. Well, yeah. and, frankly, there's nothing you can do about it because I've exactly. got lots of clients who are in the US, have yeah. their business in the US, and they also like they do earrings, like yeah. you know, um, custom custom jewelry yeah. earrings. And yeah, exactly. When a client wants uh, Vivi's custom jewelry from New York, yeah. uh, they will have to pay like yeah. sometimes even thirty to forty dollars. Yeah, we get taxed as well. Yeah, New York, yeah, yeah, but I'm not surprised that you you also have a big clientele in the US. I'm not yeah. surprised. What could be good is if you find, manage to find a um, uh, a distributor or an agent in the US, yeah. and then you know through yeah. yeah, and then he or she yeah. Anyway, there's, I'm sure this is where perhaps the um, yeah the interesting strategy to scale up your business could come from. Yeah, because I think the trouble with sending big amounts to the US is just the postage cost that then yeah. that needs to be added on to the. You know, the yeah, but if you price. if you make a big batch, okay, and you sell it to your um, distributor in the US, wherever he or she is yeah. based, probably there will be uh, less um, um, uh, 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 custom mm -hmm. uh, and taxes to pay because it will be a big yeah. batch, and also it will be business to business. Yeah. So probably there will be you know some tax looks and, yeah. and custom, custom duties that you can use, and then through uh, that big batch being sent and then yeah. distributed in the US just um, uh, sells it retail yeah. and then it gives you, uh, yeah I mean usually then you have to see whether you want to do it on a consignment basis yeah. or the distributor buy. Usually distributors they actually buy the whole stock. Right, okay. Yeah, so you yeah. get a lot of, you know, a, yeah. a lot of big one off payment. Yeah. It's good for your cash, you know, cash flow and, um, and then it's very business to actually, yeah. you know, distribute. The only thing is that you have to be careful that, um, they follow your Choose recommendations the right places, in terms of places yeah. and also prices. Right, you yeah. Know, that you don't find it like uh, for five five dollars on yeah. Amazon or stuff like yeah. that. But there's a, there's a lot of things that you can actually put into your distribution agreement to make mm -hmm. sure that there will be some objective quality criteria in terms of how you set up the yeah. um, selective distribution network. So therefore, you can incentivize the distributor to uh, sell your products in yeah. in a way which is um, uh, basically, uh, in a way which complies with your requirements in right. terms of the aura of luxury yeah. and premium yeah. that you want to, because that is something that we also discussed on uh, when we exchange on the internet through emails. Is that at the moment you are seeing a lot of cheap copies yeah. of your work. I was at, as I told you, I was at yeah. Kew Gardens, lovely Kew Gardens, um, last weekend, and I was surprised to see in a shop yeah. some really shitty, excuse my French, yeah. copies of. Uh, uh, so, so of little pots with like a yeah. nose and two eyes. Um, so it was it was very basic, but yeah, it's it's like cheap copies of, yeah. of your of your of your wares, and uh, um, I understand it's becoming a problem. Yes, yeah, I think I mean I noticed the copies started probably about four years ago. And are you um, one percent sure that it's copies of your work? Yes, because there's no way. Nobody else was doing what you were no, doing before. No, right? I think it's the, the, the mixture of the face and the shape and, and the, ceramics. The, 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 pr the stamping around the bottom. They've even used like a triangle, a line, a dot and a square, which is what I do. <laughs> and I can tell by the shape of the face which photograph that they copied from Pinterest. Um, and, you know, and I think I've counted 15 companies now copying me. 
Um, off for off off the record. Uh, once we finished, uh, we yeah. can talk about this as yeah. well because frankly, I think there's lots of uh, room for improvement here. Yeah. Uh, but off the record, I, I think, think the trouble good. is I've just ignored it, and well, then it's got worse. Yeah, exactly yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll come back to this yeah. after. Um, and oh yes, if I if I may, um, in the 2021 spiel about you and your presentation <laughs> of your of your wares, it says that you you are being influenced by Swedish, Italian, and Cornish pottery from the 50s and the 60s. Would you please expand on this? Because that yeah. seems to be so specific. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know more about that. So when I was at the night course college in London, before I'd even, you know, I was just doing this as a hobby, yeah. I always used to like look on eBay for vintage pottery. And I used to really like the Bjorn Windblad, um, like ceramic head and like okay. base, like lady vases. They're kind of, Bjorn Windblad. Bjorn Windblad, yeah. Swedish I don't know if I'm style. pronouncing that right, yeah. Bjorn no Windblad, probably. Okay. And uh, they're kind of um, like a like a kind of chalice shape with a head, and it's um, it's God, what's it called? Um, God, I can't remember the term now. It's not like mine at all. It's very different, but it was basically like head pots with faces on okay. that you would put plants in but it yeah, was the Italians do that as well yeah. yeah and I think I took that as an inspiration because I kept trying to buy them on eBay but I always would miss the you know they were too expensive right. I couldn't so, get so it's them. very collectible now right yeah very, very collectible, collectible. Um, but it's it's not it's not pottery it's kind of more like a ceramic shape that's made and then um, painted on the you know painted the face and the detail is oh, painted yes. onto the I white ceramics yeah um, I think yours I mean I'm speak, referring to the Italian uh, yeah so it's, I think the Italian thing is a bit Bitossi. have you seen Bitossi? so it's a very bl bright blue um, pots and they stamp into the pots okay. so I think I took the stamping from the Bitossi okay. that I really liked and then I took the faces from the Bjorn Windblad oh. and then I took the style of making with the very like rustic um, clay and the kind of like um, muted glazes from a lot of the Cornish potters like Troika that were doing kind so of Cornwall. quite yeah yeah and they were doing a lot of um, uh, quite rustic um, geometric shapes and like brown glazes um, and sort of textural glazes so I think those are my three separate influences that I mangled together to create the work I have now so what was it? Sven? Bjorn Finblad. Bjorn Finblad. Bitossi. Bitossi. And the and Cornish then, potters. Yeah, I mean, there's a variety okay. of different Cornish sort of small pottery studios from the 60s. So, yeah, I think, you know, I don't, um, and then also I always like Japanese, the kind of like yeah. stylish oh, yes. zen of yes. the Japanese pottery with it's a beautiful true, like, ikebana. Yeah, um, so I think that influenced me as well. So I took taken, you know, a little bit from everyone and created my own style. And it's funny how you can see all these Japanese uh, shops actually, uh, you know, popping up in, mm. in London, in Paris, and also online, with, as you were saying, all these uh, beautiful, very minimalistic yeah. ceramics, um, sometimes even like mi miniature mm. ceramics mm. Being, uh, being sold on, on this. On this uh, yeah, have you been uh, to Eclectic 66 on, um, God, my brain's not working, King's, not King's Road, um, 
in Mayfair somewhere. Okay, no, I have not. Okay. There's one in Mary Le Bon, which sells a lot of Japanese jewelry. Yeah, and Mary Le Bon High Street. Maybe it's Mount Shop. Maybe it's Mount Le Bon High Street. Okay. There's also another one which is called Native and Co, which is in um, Lovely. It doesn't only yeah. do uh, ceramics, but a lot of Japanese um, uh, products in. Um, Oh, uh, where they have this uh, market on Saturdays in uh, Nottingham. Uh, in Nottingham, where I went and I bought a few yeah. things. And also, I'm a member of the Tate Modern, and the Tate Modern, they have a lot of uh, wonderful selection in one of their shops, and they have a lot of these Japanese miniature uh, uh, stoneware. Yeah. Stone, yeah, like. Uh, Stoneware and, yeah. and, and I, I love it and I bought the fruit from, from, yeah. from there. Yeah, you should look up elect, elect eclectic sixty six. It's yeah. only Japanese ceramics, so they have a lot of like visiting exhibitions okay. from various Japanese potters and okay. really nice little. And it's true that there is. We can see the influence in what you do because it's always straight to the point, you know, yeah. your designs and with no fluffy, unnecessary stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I quite like. No, but I like yeah. these aesthetics, which is. In a way, yeah, quite minimalistic. Yeah, I think, you know, my taste at home is quite mid-century and yeah, quite right. minimal, so I think that reflects in... Mid-century from the 20th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like 15, so... Eclectic 66. And you said it was Mayfair. It's either Mayfair, it might be Barlabay. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder whether it's not that one now. I'm talking about, yeah. I'll, che I'll, I'll check it, I'll yeah. follow up with you on that. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So thanks for clarifying this thing, because it was like, mm, I wonder what a mix of Cornish, Italian and Swedish <laughs> pottery <laughs> refers to exactly. So now I know, thank you. <laughs> um, right, so how, um, if I may, how do you see the, um, the business expanding now? Because uh, you definitely have like golden goose here, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm saying this with all due respect, you know, not but seriously, these things are yeah. like hotcakes every time I go on the website. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this one is already gone. <laughs> sold out, sold out, sold out. Why, by the way, do you keep the ones which are sold out on the, your website? Because uh, then I might re, I might add another okay. one like another later. Batch. Yeah, right. Yeah, and when, then sometimes I take them off. I see. And when you do a batch of one particular SUK product, mm -hmm. is it uh, ten? Or twenty, or is an addition of how many? It depends on the design. The the small like mini pots and the you know I probably do a batch of. 10 to 14, but then the big lady vases or the kind of more intricate ones or the ball vases, probably only like three or four at a time. I see. Um, okay, so yeah. 20, uh, you said, sorry. About 14, 14 probably the smaller ones. And for, us, for the yeah. bigger ones, three to four, yeah. Well, that makes sense, yeah, perhaps it's... Uh, yeah. And so what, how do you see the business evolving? Um, I don't know, sometimes I kind of, I know, I do, do you know what, sometimes I feel like I'm so busy just holding it together that okay. I don't even have time to like think about the future or time the next thing. Time to craft a business plan, <laughs> no, it's next, five years. Because I had no idea it would be like this, you know, yeah, I just thought I was going to make some pots and then I had no idea I'd end up with, you know, effectively you know, designs that are, like, influencing other companies and kind of people yeah. being, you know, buying them from all over the world. So... Really? Do you have some, like, retail customers from all over the world? Yeah. Where are they from, for example? So, so you mentioned the US? Yeah, I'd say, obviously, the UK is my biggest client sure. base. Then I'd say next is is um, the US. Uh-huh. I did used to have get a lot of orders from Australia, but I haven't had as many lately, right. so I'm not quite sure about that. Um, I have quite a lot from... Um, the Scandinavian countries. Oh, yeah, uh, this, is, this is actually a fantastic homage yeah. and recognition because these guys 
from Scandinavia have got such high tests. Yeah. So it means that, you know, as I was yeah, saying. Yeah, I get like, quite a few, like Iceland and Norway, yeah, um, a lot from Amsterdam, um, from the Netherlands, particularly. Okay. Amsterdam, we get a lot of orders from there. Wow. Yeah, quite a few France, um, okay. uh, Belgium, quite a few. I say the countries I don't get many orders from is Spain. I don't get many Spanish customers. Okay. Few Italian. Maybe they have, yeah, I think yeah, it's just taste, stuff. isn't it? Different taste. Oh, right, okay. Mm. I get quite a few from Russia. Russia. Mm-hmm. Korea. Korea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, South Korea. Um, yeah, so, so, so the South Koreans have got exclusive yeah. taste as well. And the Japanese, my God, yeah. Yeah, not so many. I've had a few to Japan, but not, not too many to Japan or China. I think it's probably because they already have Yeah, they have a lot of like sort of similar. Yeah. Yeah, so it's quite interesting to see when you look at the logistics on the website where, um, you know, which are your best customers. Yeah, that, 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 this is good data. Yeah, Brazil, I get quite a few from Brazil, Brazil yeah. This is actually quite good data, you know, yeah. if one day you want to draft your business plan as yeah. to where you should, you know, where you should expand mm. in terms of your distribution mm. channel in which particular zones. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So, so you don't really have a plan in terms of... No plan, just to, I think, because of the copies and because um, I think I do want to focus on making some bigger pieces and some art pieces and okay that's as far as I've got really <laughs> so no plan no <laughs> but can you leave out of it some bigger pieces that you make only three or four per batch I mean is that something which is yeah I think as long as I'm making them alongside other the pieces right. um then that's fine yeah I've got I've got some ideas and some suggestions yeah, I mean, on how you could, I don't you could know. I mean, protect some, your yeah. products, but because uh, sometimes I suddenly think, oh, I'm going to go and do an MA in craft and do some woodwork, and I just suddenly think like it's I'm going to do something a else. Millionaire, like, oh, it's not God. like making making another yeah. MA. It's, I'm going, <laughs> you know, going for, to study for another MA that you don't need further studying. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then I also think that's about, what I say to my clients. You know, <laughs> we actually really well well on the way to become a millionaire yeah. out of uh, stuffed toys, and you know, so do you when do you want to do you made, did you want to make your first million? Of course yeah. you do. So just listen to me. <laughs> I know, but then I do. She's very reasonable, but and she's got a yeah. very good business mind. But I'm saying is that you don't need yeah. further studying. That's it. You've done all the studying. But then sometimes I think when I kind of boil it down to like what makes me happy. Yeah. You okay. know what I mean? Then I kind of suddenly then think, okay, well it's just the nice creative right. making, and maybe the business side is the bit that really stresses me out. Because I don't know that that you know I am a creative person. I'm yeah. a maker. I'm not a business head. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something that can be yeah. easily developed as well because yeah. also you feel quite in control when you are so able to talk about this. You know, to to basically be on top of these things. Yeah. As opposed to as you were saying before, yeah. burying your head in the yeah. <laughs> and that's what I like about Dana, my other client, uh, yeah. my, my 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 client who is in doing all the stuffed toys. She's doing all the um you know she's doing all the prototypes yeah. of the of her stuffed toys. Yeah. But also. Um, she, yes, yeah, she, she, you know, she, she, she has the business head and business yeah. mind as well. Her dad is also an entrepreneur and also some yeah, of the Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? If you've got like a family background where <laughs> my parents are probably worse than me, I think, you know, they're just kind of never pushed themselves. Yeah. Just kind of stayed within what they were doing. Probably like think, employed in a kind of company. Yeah, my dad not, stayed not at the same place for yeah, years, exactly, yeah. you know. I, I come from the same Yeah, my mum kind of just was a mum and did some yeah, floristry right. and, you know, but... So. But you can be different. Yes. I'm trying to break the You are different. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
Yeah, and also I wanted to congratulate you on your PR coverage, like press and, and you know, and communication coverage. It's fantastic because you really have some fun, uh, really good, honest, you really have some good know. articles <laughs> yeah. and, and blog posts yeah. about your, your product and this article for the Telegraph. It's, it's yeah. quite well spotted. You also seem to have a good mind to actually speak the, the, the good people to actually write to or dedicate time to in terms of your communication strategy. So it's really spot on. Okay, that's yeah, good because I don't feel like I have what a strategy. <laughs> I feel that things well, come maybe to you the just end. follow your intuition, but it's yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's 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 those were the yeah. questions I wanted. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much, Stella. You. Is there anything else you would like to add? No, I don't think so. It's been it's been good. It's good to talk it through because it makes you say things out loud and, Does it? and yeah well, glad. And remember so. so thank you so much for listening to um, uh, Stella Bagot and uh, and uh, myself um, if you're interested in checking out the wonderful exquisite um, um, pieces made by Stella you can go on atelierstellaceramics.com and um, uh, you will have a feast for your eyes <laughs> and your senses thank you so much bye bye Thank you for listening to our podcast, Lawfully Creative, produced by Crefervy Studios. Subscribe to our podcast or catch up with our original shows on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, YouTube, Anchor, and many more podcast aggregators and platforms. Please leave a review and rating about our podcast to encourage others to discover our curated content. Thank you.